0: Welcome to Just Do It HQ, a podcast from Uninterrupted celebrating the 30-year anniversary of those three words. As you've heard on the show, this podcast features in-depth conversations with Nike's top athletes. We've talked with Michael Johnson, Sonia Richards-Ross, Russell Wilson, and a whole lot of other elite athletes. They told us about reaching the top of their sports, their crazy dreams, and what Just Do It means to them. I'm your host, Denise Jones, here at Just Do It HQ in Los Angeles. As a kid, I was on a lot of teams, basketball teams, swim teams, all sorts of sports, and I had great teammates. I'm also on a lot of teams these days that don't have anything to do with sports my family, my friends, my co-workers, my neighbors. Those are all my teammates. To me, teamwork is always critical to success. We're gonna talk to a pair of teammates, basketball players, who know that a good team is better than the sum of its parts. In fact, they used to be teammates on the 2016 NBA champion Cleveland Cavaliers. And like most champions, that team knew how to run its plays. But sometimes, it just let their star, LeBron, take over. Here at Just Do It HQ, we're like a basketball team. There's a set of plays for us to run every week, and we run them. But today's guests are different. They host a podcast together. So I'm gonna toss the playbook and just play our conversation, because I think you guys are gonna like it. To kick us off, I'll let them introduce themselves.
1: Hi, I'm Shannon Fry. I've read many of Leatherbound books. (laughs) I am. Uh, I play basketball, um, I like video games, and um, Long at the end of the day, I've been in the league 13 years, so I'm a champion. Richard Jefferson. Uh,
2: I've been a Nike athlete since I was like 16. My high school team was sponsored by Nike, my AU team was sponsored by Nike, my college was sponsored by Nike, University of Arizona, shout out. Uh, I was on the last team that went to the final four because Channing blew the elite eight appearance against Illinois. Uh, and no, I've been in the NBA for 17 years.
0: When did you both realize you were, uh, you wanted to be a basketball player, a professional basketball player?
1: When they told Channing he was too tall to do anything else. <laughs> this is a, That's actually a true story. Really? <laughs> that's actually a very true story. You Tell know, me about it. Um, growing up, my mom is super into art, paintings, poems, you know, drawings, music. So she had me do all that kind of stuff, and then I was a Boy Scout in a band, went to like art camp and stuff like that. And my dad was like, "Yo, you got to play basketball. You're ginormous! Like I was six two in the sixth grade." Um, so basically, I was in a band till ninth grade, so freshman year what in instrument? high school. What uh, The baritone, which is smaller than a tuba, but can you bigger still than play a, it? Probably. I had braces, so I played the trumpet, and then when I got braces. I couldn't play a trumpet anymore. It's too much. It would hurt my lips. But anyways, so the band teacher and the coach of the basketball team said, hey, Channing, like um, basketball PE, physical education is uh, a ninth period or sixth period. And I go, okay. And they're like, you can't do band anymore because band is at sixth period. You got to play basketball. So I said, all right, I'll do this. And then end up just playing and having friends and loving it and here I am, 13 years later in the league. What do you think, Richard? What's your story? Oh, Richard's be? story is so different. He was the athletic, super best kid with McDonald's All-American. No, nah, my story. windmills no, in no, high no, school. No, 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 no.
2: My story is very different. Like, Channing had his dad introduce him to basketball and kind of guided his path. My parents didn't know sports. I, my brothers, I had two older brothers, but they didn't really play. I started playing basketball when I was in like sixth grade, but I was I was never the tallest kid. I was never like this clown. I was just on one of the taller kids.
1: Did you have uh, bounce?
2: Uh, no, I you know you don't have bounce at sixth grade. Like I could touch the net. Like that was like the my the big achievement. But uh, I really didn't play basketball. I showed up my junior high team. I was one of those knucklehead kids where I was ineligible. I was doing stupid shit. So, and then after that, for me, when I was 14, I would go to the park and I would just play. Like, that was the thing. I grew up in Phoenix. We didn't have a lot of money. So, like, for me, it was it was free. As long as I could go there and I could play all day long, that's all I did. Uh, and then as I got a little bit older, I, I started my freshman year at six, like 5'10", ended my freshman year at 6'2". I might have played six total games on the freshman team because I was ineligible, and then I, Finished school and I did what I always do the last like three four summers I played every single day in the park no AAU no nothing I show back up on campus at 6-6 six, six, and my high school my high school coach is like okay Richard like I don't know what's going on what have you been doing all summers like we had AAU and because this is before like cell phones this is before like Instagram and all that stuff so it was like my coach just didn't know what I was doing for four months and he's like Richard like you got to start taking this seriously because there was nobody that had come before me that can no. play basketball. Mike Bibby was the first one from Arizona. And so he was like a couple of, he was like two years older than me. So even then he was only like a junior. So he's like, like Richard, Like I don't think you fully understand. You have to take this seriously. And you know, I, I can't put you on varsity if, if you aren't going to get good grades. And I was like, Oh, okay. So then I made honor roll that year after being <laughs> after being ineligible <laughs> the year before. Yeah, but that's kind of how that's kind of how it kind of all got started for me. I was not the traditional AAU. My parents did not watch basketball. Like my sophomore year, uh, my mom was one of the parents was talking to my mom, and they were like, "Hey, uh, you, you know your son you, your son's pretty good." And my mom was like, "Oh yeah, he goes to the park all the time. That's all he wants to do." <laughs> and they were like, "No, your son is." he can do things. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, I grew up in a predominantly, we both did grew up in a predominantly white area. So it was like to see a six foot seven athletic kid do stuff that wasn't kind of, you know, in the norm. Right. So after that, my high school coach, John Bowie from moon Valley, he just kind of guided me the whole way. Cause I didn't have a clue what I was doing.
0: And Richard, you, okay. So you spent a lot of time in the park, right? Yes. And, and I played a little high school basketball. I played okay. like some okay. college basketball. Okay. Get it, girl. And every time I would go to the park on a 10 foot hoop, so for those that don't know, I am five two, five three on a good day. But yeah. I was a, I was point guard and I played guard, so I didn't have to. I didn't need that height. Right, right, money. right. <laughs> Playing in the park has its rules, yeah. you know, and and it's it can be in a, a very aggressive game. There's a lot of kids listening that that um, go to the park and get a lot of their game from there. Is there a move or was there a move for you that? cuz I'm assuming you went and you would have to play pickup yeah. and you would have to get in a team maybe figure out what five guys are yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: so so all the grown men would come and see little loudmouth Richard at 13 at 14 and those guys kind of took me under my uh, under their wing and I was not good I was just l- athletic lanky. no I wasn't athletic at 14 like I couldn't still dunk I was just the kid that was there every day and so for me it was one more of one of those things where it's like I learned the game from a different angle, right? You got to have your team. You got to be a complete player. Got to be able to hit a shot. You got to learn how to argue. Yeah, you got to know who your four is because on on the Sunday Monday nights at Cave Creek, which it used to be called now called Rose Mofford, at the, that park, if you lose that game on that Monday, you might be sitting for an hour, or you got to go play at a different court. So I just learned basketball from a very respect your elders, right? Oh, and then from a and yeah. then from a you know talk trash, have fun but also it's like pick your team wisely. So that, yeah. that, that's kind of how I learned how to play. Earn your stripes for sure. Facts. Yeah.
0: So who were some of your heroes
2: growing up? Well, I can speak for Channing. I was one of his heroes growing up. Because I met him at 14, and I was 17. Uh, no, I, we really did, we met at the Jason Kidd basketball camp. Uh, I was just kind of there hanging out with guys, and he was, I remember walking up, and they were like, yeah, this this kid Channing Fries, he's gonna be a, he's gonna be a, uh, I think I was going, I think I was finished, so you was about to be a sophomore, and, he was, he was ginormous. <laughs> and tall. I was like yeah.
1: six, seven, six, eight. Yeah. It was and like a sophomore high school, but I didn't know. So I had never done AAU. I had never done any of that. So in Phoenix, I went to a junior high, seven, eight, nine. So the ninth grade funneled into a school called Dobson. And Dobson, the coach, was like, We're going to run miles and do this and that. And my parents were like, Do you want to go here? Do you want to play for him? I was like, No, I don't want to do that. And they said, well, then you have to go to a private school. My mom worked downtown, so I had to choose between the two best private schools. But, like, I literally went to take the test to get into both places. And as I was walking out, I told my dad, man, I don't want to tuck my shirt in. And a JV coach at the time who was head of the AU, um, uh, Coach Keith, was like, hey, what are you doing? Are you trying to come here? I was like, yeah. He goes, Channing, um, come to this game tonight. We play Brophy. And I said, okay, I'll you go sit behind the bench. So I sat, and halfway through the game, I said, well, this is an amazing venue, this is awesome. I'll go to whatever school wins this game. <laughs> I did not know that. Right. So literally, the game was tied. Right. St. Mary's had a chance to win the game on a free throw. They missed, and Donnell Knight tapped the free throw oh. in to beat Brophy, uh, Brophy by. Oh, it was it. actually they were down by one. They missed, tapped it to win by one. And I looked at the coach. I said, "He goes, I'll see you next week." And that's when I started doing AU.
0: Your parents uh, were missionaries. Yes. Right. So let's talk about your parents for a little bit. Okay. They traveled through uh, to Africa throughout the year. Mm-hmm. What was that experience like, and what did that play a role in
2: into your journey? Well, I think my parents had a very my parents had different focuses, right? My my mom went back to school, so I was born here in Los Angeles. I was born in Cedar Sinai. my mom. Was raising three boys by herself in south central la she moved to phoenix to try and get off welfare then she married my stepdad and they were very very involved in their church and my mom you know i don't know how it got started i think it was through the church but then she just started you know becoming more and more passionate with missionary work so early on even though we didn't have much right like my mom and and stepdad, they would both still save money to go and try and help other people. Like that was their focus. Like that's what my parents. Like I was probably closer to being a minister or closer to being an academic than I was closer to being a basketball. Like I look at my son right now, a little Rich in Phoenix. And there's five basketball hoops in our house. My sons can spot them. My sons want to watch basketball. His favorite movie is Space Jam. All of these things. Yes, that is a full-on advantage that I did not have. I found this on accident. I grew to be this tall. And I loved the sport and it worked out that way. But the impact that my parents had was different. It was different. Like my, My dad never missed a day of work. Right. He always, no matter what, sick, this, that, you know, obviously you need money and there's a lot of parents out like out there like that. But I just tried to carry that to basketball. Like if I look at my games played, like even now, like I, I tried to play as many games as possible. If I could get out there, I would try and get out there. Now there's a difference between being hurt and injured. Right. But I always took pride even when I was thinking my 35th, uh, my, when I was 35 years old and my 16th season I played in 80 games right now they didn't need me to play in 80 games I probably should have taken a few games off but that was how my parents just kind of impacted me right my mom was uh, an entrepreneur she tried a lot of different things she tried a lot of different things to try and make what work and and that puts me in a position like I started our own podcast Channing and I Um, I've been blessed and fortunate where I opened up yoga studios in Hermosa Beach and I've just tried to be I I tried to carry that kind of entrepreneurial mindset and also had the same like work ethic that that my stepdad showed every day
0: channing you had uh, a health scare a uh, couple seasons ago
1: yeah people thought i was gonna die <laughs> yeah yeah um <laughs> Tell i me about uh it. so i had shoulder surgery and to rehab i was like okay i want to play at the beginning of the year so um i ended up just over tra- basically overtraining. Uh, too many energy drinks, like not enough sleep, too much like too much working. I was doing like three workouts a day, um, doing altitude training, doing a lot of stuff I usually wouldn't do, and I end up getting tested, like just a regular routine test, and they thought I had like a life-threatening uh, heart issue, um, and so I had to sit out basically the whole season. So um, I got pretty fat. They said no exercise for a year, so it was like seven months. I sat and did nothing. So, like, no, like, exercise is my, um, I would say, my version of yoga. You know, it's where I like release. It's where I like, you know, get rid of your stress, your emotions. So, to have seven months without exercise was the and hardest. And by
0: exercise, you mean weight training? And, no, and I
1: mean I couldn't get my heart rate. Like, let's say my resting heart rate's at let's say sixty. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get my heart rate above hundred. So I had to take one flight of stairs at a time, and I had a, a heart thing on a watch. So they were like, if you're stressed, you cannot get your heart rate above. That's how serious they thought it was. Um, so I sat out seven months. End up finding these doctors um, who diagnosed it correctly. And basically, this happens to a lot of people across America. Either it's diet, stress, um, you know, uh, energy drinks, a whole bunch of stuff happen. And so, but they just don't get tested as much as professional athletes do. So um, I'm fine now. I've been in the league five more years plus that. Um, you know, I'm at the Cleveland clinic every year. I just left there a week ago, so I'm perfectly fine. Um, but yes, sitting out that year, not being able to exercise, not being able to play basketball really kind of changed my whole mentality on who I am, what makes me happy and like why I play basketball.
0: How much so did it change your outlook? Like it, was there something that changed drastically well, I in think your lifestyle. When a doctor
1: downside. walks into your you know, your little room and you're sitting there and you're like, Hey doc, what's up? Can I get on a flight at three? And he goes, No, Channing, uh, you can't go down a flight and you might die in the next week unless we get this like <laughs> so that's pretty like that's how serious it was. Like that's how serious um, this whole situation that whole situation at the time Puts everything in perspective, like why do I play basketball? Is this important? Because for six, seven months they were saying, no you're not gonna play, no you're not gonna play, no you're not gonna play. And uh, actually what happened was the doctor that was in the city that I was in actually didn't have the correct equipment. And because I'm seven foot, my heart is already bigger than other people's and you need people who have more information. So that's why I went to Johns Hopkins in Baltimore And they had enough information to say, no, your heart is actually the correct size for how big you are and how in shape you are, blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, when people tell you you're going to die over something that you love, are you going to keep trying to play that game? And I think that was what I had to come to grips to. Like, how important is this? Like, do I want to work my way back? I remember the first day I worked out. So I weigh 255, 260 right now. I was 285 fat. I couldn't even do lunges down a 30. It took me an hour. We had four exercises. So I had to do 100 lunges, 100 squats, 100 push-ups. It took me an hour. And I was drenched. You were really fat. Fat. But imagine not being able to work out for so months. You know what's weird, though? Yeah. It's, like, it's like the fatter you get, the more unattractive you become. Oh, thank so you. So when I'm skinny, I'm super hot, tight.
0: What was the first workout that you did uh, coming out of that? So I know Richard's passionate about yoga. Was it? Is that something that you? Oh, picked I did yoga up?
1: every day because um, I had bad anxiety. Um, I ended up doing yoga every single day for an hour and a half, and it was different types of yoga. Angie um, saved my life. I love her to this day. Like you know, on the day that my uh, I, my father's funeral, I did a yoga class with her, me, my brother, and my cousin uh, or my cousins. So there's just four of us, and so we all did a yoga class together just to be able to like, you know, cry, feel out your feelings, sit, meditate, think about where you are, think about what happened, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, yoga's changed my life.
0: I love that. So, let's transition over to teamwork. Um, Let's start with you, Channing. So, before you and Richard, uh, you know, have this bond of friendship that you guys have and, and, you know, the champions that you guys are, who taught you most about teamwork?
1: I'm gonna say there's about four players: uh, Malik Rose, Steve Nash, Grant Hill, are and um, and then I would say like LeBron, right? Outside of Richard, um, I'm gonna say Malik Rose because when I was a rookie in New York, there was a lot of dysfunction. Malik was always like, "Listen, your job is not to pay attention to all the chaos. Your job is to focus on you." Outside of the chaos, you know, and I use this analogy a lot. The NBA is a tornado. It comes and goes. These years come. He's like, at that time, he's like, this is year 12 or 10, whatever it is for me. It's gone by with the blink of an eye. But he goes, every day you have a job. Do your job every day. If you need to get in a weight room, if you need, to, you need to be in tune with yourself. And then Grant and Steve, the guys at that level, when I saw them get there before me and leave after me, made me feel a certain way. You know, and I saw how Steve was taking care of his body. I saw how Grant took care of his body. I saw how Grant sacrificed every single day. You know, he had ankle issues, he had back issues, he had issues with his body, but the way he took care of himself to prepare himself to play, those guys are an inspiration. And then to get to LeBron, a guy on that level, what he does consistently um, is inspiring, you know? I, at some point, you got to understand who you are going to be as a player and your level that you can get to. You know, I'm never going to be an all star, obviously, but I can be the best me. I right. can be prepared when I have my chance. You know, when we went to the playoffs, I get one chance, and and it's like, okay, this is your game where you have to score or you have to rebound or you have to defend. I'm ready for that that time, right? Because it may not be every game. I'm not expected to do that. And Richard knows this too, because in those in that playoff run, the championship run. We had our different series where I would play or he would play or I would play and he would play, but we are both ready when our name was called. So um, playing with LeBron, just seeing his consistency makes you consistent.
0: What's the secret to being a good teammate? What are some attributes that a good teammate has? Let's hear from you, uh,
1: Richard. Uh, I think the attribute, it's different,
2: man. It, I, I think the key to being a good teammate is understanding what your team needs. Right? It, it's one of those things where it's like it, – it, I think I've seen really, really good teams struggle when people, when they have a ton of talent because everyone's focused on themselves versus asking what does the team need, right? Like, I, I think Channing and I, especially, the we were very fortunate to get to Cleveland together, me right before him, but I think one of the things that, you know, when we were both gone, when I left and all those things happened, it was one of those things where we were the two two of the individuals i think james jones was one of them and there were other guys you know delhi was one of them yeah, one yeah. year um mozzy uh we had different guys on our championship team that were like okay this might not be my night or this i might but coach what do you need what what do you need me to do it's like hey i need you to stay in shape or hey i might need you to give me you know 10 minutes or hey i might need you to just go guard this guy or i might need you to do this or i might not need you for a week but more than anything like Understanding what the team needs and being able to fill that hole. I think for young players, I, I think we get so uh, focused on what I can do or what I need to do. And it's like, yo, what does the team need? Right? It's like, yo, I might not be the best shooter, but we need defenders. Okay, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be the best defender I can be. Okay, we're, we're small, so we don't rebound. You know, we're undersized okay, well, how can I be the best rebounder I can be on this team? Right, I can go do that, right? If I normally average five, but we're struggling to rebound, then my goal is to go out there and try and get 10 rebounds every night. And I think that's something that's lost you know, a little bit in the teaching of young players is not like, hey, yes, I want you to be the best version of yourself, but within that, I also want you to do what our team needs. And there's never been a great team There's never been a great team on any sport on any level that didn't have multiple guys sacrificed to make them the most complete, high-level team that they can be. And I think that's something that needs to be taught at a very, very early age. Like, hey, look, you are the best player right now. You are the best player on our team. But at some point in time, you're going to be the third best or the fourth best or the tenth best or the twelfth best. So how are you preparing yourself now when you're the best player to be able to contribute to a team when you're the 10th best or you're the 12th best player you know, on that roster.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I don't think that's something that, you know, as players, they keep in mind enough.
2: No,
1: um,
0: so in the time that you guys played together as teammates, how did you guys push each other? And what did you guys learn from each other? Let's start with you, Chenny.
1: Well, Richard pushed me by betting me
2: $5,000 that <laughs> he was fat when he showed up from Orlando.
1: I wasn't playing, so I was pretty fat. And we had
2: a different weight program. When I got to Cleveland, it was all about trying to win a championship. For So from training camp. Up into the time that Trent Channing got there, it was always that focus, that goal. You're and you're keeping your body in peak physical shape. You're doing all these different things. So when Channing got there, it was he was in Orlando. This was a young team, not playing for anything. He wasn't playing much. And so he was in good shape. He wasn't in high level championship shape. And he was he was in good shape. He wasn't, it wasn't out of shape. That that's the wrong term to use. But when he first got there, one of the ways I was like, okay, look, Channing. We it is February. Yeah, February. February. We're gonna play till June. So this is not like a a tomorrow rush. This is not a right now. This is a okay. How can we get you in the best shape so that you're ready? So we did like a body fat challenge. So we both just this is just me and him like friends. Like hey, I'll I'll do this with you, like brothers. Yeah. So I was playing. Let's not get carried. Let's not. No. Let's not. I hate this guy. I hate this guy. So it was more of like okay, look, it's February. Like I'm playing 15 minutes a night you just got here so this is what we're gonna do we're gonna check our weights we're gonna check our body fat okay you're at you're at nine percent body fat i'm at eight let's see who can lose the most body fat percentage in six weeks right so it was like every day we kind of challenged ourselves ultimately what it did is it made the team better right this was just two individuals that was like hey look you're my guy i know you need to get in a good better shape I'm not going to just tell you to go get in better shape or, like, you need to right, do this. No. So it's like, yo, I'm going to do it with you and I'm going to challenge myself. So, like, I'm not only going to lose body fat and do this because we're both pushing each other, but in six weeks, two months from now, we're both going to be in better shape because we're here. I'm here trying to motivate you, but it's also helping me.
1: Right, and what he doesn't didn't notice was that, like, I was already going to get in better shape, but that made me be more consistent. So it became a habit. Then all of a sudden, I remember like Jordan McRae and those guys being like, damn, you're riding a bike extra after practice? I'm like, yeah, I got this contest with Richard. And they're like, damn, okay, I'm gonna do it too. So it became Richard, myself, and all so basically 11 James to 15 Jones, yeah. Dante. Right, end up being like Richard's gonna run on a treadmill, I'm gonna do an extra versa climber." and then what happened was, all of a sudden everyone beca- it became every day that we are doing extra, right? Because we know, listen, at the end of the day, we're not playing 48 minutes. We're not playing... 38 minutes for the most part, we're playing 24 or less minutes. So, for us, we're in crazy good shape. So, the 24 minutes that we were in, or 12 or 10, we were flying and it completely changed how our bench looked. And it, I thought, I thought it made us that much more dangerous because the first unit was like very calculated you know braun Kevin Kyrie they're like okay here's my place here's this the second unit was like run <laughs> we're gonna run you know it just was right and we're and we're done but we're like okay but after the game if you don't play 20 minutes everybody let's go on the bike and let's get our work done and that type of consistency is earns respect and that's why I think I was gonna say this it? being a best teammate is being consistent throughout the chaos, okay, because regardless of what you tell somebody, if you don't show them, they're not going to believe nothing you say. If I say, hey, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this, and I'm not doing nothing, how, why are you going to believe me? you're a terrible teammate.
2: Yeah, and it's easy and it's so it's so much harder i would say to do that in college because everything Ugh. that you do is regimented, right? Like when you're in college like you have class, you have practice, you have a certain amount of time in the weight room, you have that. So getting extra work, i feel Ugh. is real is, is harder in college. It can be done, but it's harder in college. When right. you become a professional, there's no excuse. No. There's no excuse to not do certain things,
1: right? And so i think But the only excuse is, well, i'm i'm good enough. Yeah, I'm good enough or or I'm not going to play. Oh, it
2: doesn't matter. And and so you get into that mindset. And so even when I've been on other teams where I was the vet, even if I wasn't playing, it put me in a position where it's like, yo, I'm going to work no matter what. Like I'm going to work because this is what's going to happen. And I tell guys all the time that when they come to the bench or this or that, they're like, man, you only play me 10 minutes. I'm like, yeah, but 10 minutes can turn into five. Ten minutes can turn into zero. Ten minutes it can also turn into twenty. It can also turn into thirty and it can turn into millions of dollars. So which one are you working towards? Yeah. And that's something that I think is a mindset that I I think older players like ourselves try and instill on on younger players. Right. And, and that's really the impact that, that guys like us can have in the locker room because older veterans had that impact on us. Uh, he wants yeah. to talk about Malik, Malik Rose. I'll say guys like Lucius Harris, Aaron Williams, like guys that were on my team and I was a vet and they were 12, 13 years in with the New Jersey Nets when I first got there.
0: Right. And I'm glad that you guys both mentioned you know just the power of your teammates and how you guys both inspired your teammates to carry on this challenge that you both created. Um, and through consistency and accountability, you were able to get in not only yourselves but your team into the best shape so both of you guys have been teammates of nike's biggest athletes you know in the last two decades right so richard and and vince carter in new jersey and fry and and steve nash in phoenix
1: well vince was in phoenix too You oh, play with vince yeah work out, man. Uh,
0: and then both with with lebron in cleveland of course and what are some of Kyrie. the craziest Or and Kyrie, of course what are some of the craziest <laughs> workout stories that you guys have witnessed
1: craziest story
0: being teammates of the the players the nike athletes that you've uh, you've played with
1: i'll tell you a steve nash story tell me before. a steve nash story jenny so we're playing san antonio in the playoffs okay steve has never beat san antonio in the playoffs right this is 2010 we go to the movies he never leaves his room steve never leaves his room for the most part to go anywhere but we're like yo team movie we're gonna walk there so we walk there as a team no issues, no problems, right? People just honk, hey, you know, we love the Spurs, honk, honk, you know, whatever, uh, F the Sons. So we go to the movies, we see the movie, we walk out of the What movie. was the movie? I forgot. That's okay. I had a lot of popcorn, I remember that. My <laughs> was hurt. it frozen? <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: it's okay if it was frozen, we wouldn't judge you. But anyway, Dude, I have three dogs, so
1: yeah, I've seen Frozen a trillion times, right? So um, we walk out of the movies. There was literally 300 people, outside of this movie theater, waiting for Steve and our team to either get pictures, autographs, videos. It was the craziest scene I've seen in a long, long time. I played with a lot of great players. But that was easily one of the craziest things because we was a like, work,
2: oh. She asked for a workout story.
1: Oh, a workout story. Oh, were you working out? You know, uh, yeah, putting yeah, the yeah, popcorn yeah, in yeah. your
2: yeah. mouth.
0: I was yeah, waiting like, for the workout element I, of things. I was, I was oh. waiting for you to
2: tie it back, but I just kind of because I know you. I saw that you were taking this
1: nowhere. <laughs> oh, oh, a workout story. I'll still <laughs> stay with Steve. There we so go. So first of all, Steve doesn't work out in front of people for the most part. Um, but I went back. It was like, man, I missed a lot of shots in practice. Right? This is like training camp. So I said, I'm gonna go shoot some shots at like, you know, twelve o'clock at night. I go in there, and this dude. Has his own trainer in a full sweat doing these crazy workout things. Steve is sweating his ass off. Okay. He never sweats in practice. He's like the most in shape guy. You know, he plays soccer. So long distance running, you know, basically practice was predicated on Steve getting tired. When Steve got tired, practice was over. It <laughs> took a long time, right? <laughs> you know, they're like, Channing, why are you tired? Steve's not tired. I said, look at him. Look at him. He doesn't eat rice, you know, anyways. But I sat there and watched him for an hour and watched his workout. And by himself, it was one of the hardest workouts I've ever seen. And this dude was like, yeah, I do this every night. What
0: did it consist of?
1: It was literally um, Steve had his own personal specific trainer. So all the stuff you see Kevin Durant doing before game, um, all the stuff you see like Steph Curry doing, that's all Steve's stuff. So like Steve's biggest thing is to have symmetry between your right leg, left arm, left leg right arm so there is no difference in his body whether he shoots right hand left hand right leg right arm Mm. so all that so he's doing this with bands on his hands and his legs so they're connected so like if he raises his right arm his right leg moves so like it's all core work it's all balance it's all like heavy ball stuff and I mean it was one of the craziest hour-long workouts I've ever seen Wow. ever it was uh, it was absolutely amazing and I actually it changed my career because I ended up taking this, the beginning parts of that workout and using it for my own and made me the shooter I am.
0: That's amazing. What about you?
1: Oh, man. Well, there's one time we got in a first climber, Yeah. say Channing. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> no, it's tough, man, because everybody was different. That's one of the key things about uh, about sports is that we all have our own, you know, ability. Like Channing's an amazing shooter. And I think for myself, Like, my body was very, very different. I've been so blessed. I've been so fortunate. Like, no knee injuries, no back injuries. So it was like most of the athleticism I've had is kind of somewhat still intact. Like, my motor isn't what it used to be when I was 25 or whatever. But so just watching different players and seeing how they handle things. Like, Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd was a guy that like he he worked on his body, he he was always super super focused, but he spent the majority of the time in his gym shooting, right? Because that's the part of his game that I don't want to say was lacking, but I felt that was the part of his game that he felt needed the most improvement. And so, to see a guy like that who was all NBA, he was, you know, the all high school team. Like he was the, one of the greatest players ever from high school. He was dominating college but when he got to the NBA one of the things I learned is like okay he's just working on what he lacks. And I think, you know, having to having the ability to see him from my rookie year and we played together uh 7 years, seeing him constantly work and then what you look at is the shooter that Jason Kidd became at the end of his career. He was I think he was like top 5 when he retired in yes, three yeah, point percentage. yeah and, and, and per, like three pointers made and all of stuff. And this is for a guy if you go back and look at his first 7 8 years, you would have never thought. But it can take years it can take a decade to put yourself in that position and so i i one chip england from san antonio was an amazing you know shooting coach and he helped me become more consistent but by the time i got to him in year 9 the groundwork had already been laid in the, the, you know, the the eight years prior of working to be better because I was an athlete. I could run, I could jump. Um, those were the things that like God, you know, gave me that ability, but the areas in my game that were lacking were, you know, my shooting ability or my consistency. And so that was the area in which I worked on and I learned from guys like Jason Kidd. And you know what,
0: what makes this interesting is just the experience that you're able to get from not only what you apply on the court, but also the people that you surround yourself with, and sometimes it's not like you pick and choose who your teammates are going to be. So you you, in a sense, force yourself to learn about this player, learn about this human, and and apply what you can from what you get out of them.
2: And that's why culture is so important, and and it doesn't get it, it doesn't get talked about no, enough in enough. sports. If you have an individual that is teaching your young players, it's cyclical. Like like let's say two teams that I've played with, right, the San Antonio Spurs have more championships, right? Than let's say the Denver Nuggets have playoff like series wins. Like they've won two playoff series in the last like 25 years. The Spurs have five championships in the last 20 years, right? The Cavs and what they've been able to accomplish and a lot of that has to do with great players. But I look at some of the talent that Denver has had whether it's Allen Iverson, uh Carmelo Anthony for many years, Kenyon Martin, Nene. They had loaded teams. But it was just like they couldn't figure out how to get over that hump. And it's like you can get to the playoffs consistency if that's your mark. And then there's some teams that are in the conference finals consistently. There's some teams that are in the NBA finals consistently or or even players for that matter. So I, I think who you have teaching your younger players and the culture that you create is something that, you know, if you've had a consistent level for your franchise and you're like and you want to take a step step back and it's like how can we get over the hump and a lot of times it's just not amassing talent
0: right so let's take it back to two years ago nba finals game seven um you guys beat the golden state warriors and people remember Kyrie shot and lebron's block but you guys won that game right and and it was as a team it wasn't two players that won that game it was the team that won
1: this game I mean they what? did a they did a lot. They right. ha- they, 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 they 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 did their I work. think they had eighty two points between <laughs> them.
0: Two. But what ha- I wanna know what happened after after what you went down uh the three yeah, when you guys were three. And one. I get social anxiety. Anxiety. I get
1: I get he, Richard went anxiety. to his room. I'll tell you the story. I told it yesterday. Um basically we went the whole thing was Braun I I have been down three one in different playoff series and been like, Yep, baby, pack the cars up. This series, I said, we're going to do it. We're going to make history, right? And I kept telling myself that. We, we got a chance. We got a chance. Um, so we go down to the hotel, and we're all just drinking wine, like having a good time before, like, like very chill, very like sitting by the fire type thing, you know? And Justin Timberlake comes, and he's actually like had just done a, converse, uh, a, a concert, and he's talking to LeBron. And I said, at that point, we're going to win. If Justin Timberlake is down here <laughs> hollering at us, Shout out, JT. We are going to win this. And we just start talking about, like, dude, we're going to make history. This is this. This is that. And, like, we started, like, speaking it to existence. And I think, like, he's a lot more confident than I was.
0: He sounds very – well, what's your story? What's your I, take?
1: I literally was not – now, during the course of a game, right. there was highs and lows every game. But I knew, mind you, there was a lot of things that happened on our part. Draymond got suspended. People forgot. Andrew Boga got hurt. Fessor Azili got hurt. Like, they – didn't have the same team that they did now. They weren't as like uh, developed. So for us, we could play. And then Kevin got a concussion. So basically, we were playing small ball. Richard, didn't you start one of those games? Who? You started two of those games.
2: I started. I started finals games 13 years apart. Yeah, So I started wow. in finals my second yeah. year, or my
1: first and second year, and then I started a finals game right. in my so 15th Kevin year. So Kevin got concussed, didn't play two games, and then came off the bench. So imagine we're throwing in a, a six-time all-star, right, off the bench, <laughs> yeah. right, versus a team. So, so it's like for me, I said, damn, this is crazy. Like we are – we like – at no point would somebody say, hey, Kevin, come off the bench, would that work? But for this just happened to happen – he had to come off the bench because it was concussion. We had been winning. We matched up for them on uh, the first unit and then the second unit when Kevin came off, we just started focusing on Kevin and focusing on Kyrie, and it worked well. And and and
2: you know, Kevin and Kyrie and Bron, like they were the focal points. that, that That's, oh, just the, way, that's yeah. the way teams go. Mm-hmm. But I'll tie it back to something that I said earlier about teams and how you teach young players and it's so much about what does the team need from me and just because you're the best player now right and coaches out there if you're listening to this challenge your best player if your best player is scoring 20 a night see if you can get him to go get 15 assists see if he can go get a triple double see if he can go get rebounds especially in summer league and aau where the games are more just for practice one of the things that like, it was the most important game of my life, right? So I remember every play. I remember my stats. And I remember I, mine, too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, had, I had nine <laughs> rebounds in that game, right? Now, I'm 35 years old. We had to play small. We were undersized. So the one thing that I had to go do for our team, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, what can I do? How can I impact this game? And I had two points, and I had nine rebounds. Nine rebounds in a game seven for a 6'6 bench player, that had an impact on that game. Even if you can get I mean, two offensive I don't know how many minutes I played. I played, I I think, like low 30s, like high 20s, somewhere around there. Right,
1: so that's a rebound every almost three and a half. Yeah, so the the, the the
2: point being is that, yeah, the point being is that, it's not to like pat myself on the back, because I'll do that, you guys know this, but it's in that (laughs) moment, it's like you're looking at it, it's like, yo, how can I help my team win? What can I do in this most excruciating? I'm not out here going one for eight, like, dang, I should've hit some more shots, or I should've hit some more threes. It was like, okay, I know I can rebound. That means on every free throw line, I was on offensive end, and defensive end. Every opportunity that I can get a rebound, like I was trying to do that. And I think it goes back to the story it's like, yo, had I not had a coach, had I not focused on how can I make our team better? What can I do for the team? Not like, well, this is what I do, and this is what I'm gonna do for you guys. It's like, no, what does a team need? Okay, we're playing small against the Golden State Warriors. How can I have an impact? Okay, well, I can rebound my tail off. And I think winning that championship and seeing those, like when I looked up after the game, I see, I was like, yo, I had nine rebounds. And in my head, that's the part that I was most proud of in my contributions. Is because I found a way to impact the game as a 35 year old, you know, older player in my 15th year from a positive standpoint. And so, like that message that I'm saying to the young players and the coaches out there, it stands true.
0: Absolutely. So, being that it's safe to say that this was definitely a moment that made the highlight real, coming back from that from that 3-1 deficit for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Now, LeBron is in LA now. And it, he's the talk of the town. It's a big city. What has been, I, I can't let you guys with, go without asking, what has been the craziest LeBron workout story that you guys have?
1: The fact that he doesn't really lift weights. Like he's an he's a ox mm-hmm. of, of a human being, and I've literally never seen him lift heavy weights. What does he
0: do? Bouldering or something? Well,
1: I don't know.
2: No, it's just you know what it is. Like there are certain people that are just wired differently. Good, bad, sideways, whatever you want to say. He's just a he's just a wired. He's a he's an athlete that's wired differently. Like we talked yeah. about the other day and. When you go through training camp, and training camp is training camp. Like training camp, you know, in sports, they call it hell week, right? Like you're just trying to get through this shit. Like um, people are icing their bodies. They're getting as much sleep. They're eating the best. No one's – very rarely do you have people like, oh, I'm going to go eat McDonald's because it's like you got a -a two-a-day the next day. You want to eat stuff. You want to be – you train super, super hard just to get through hell week without an injury or without something. And literally before the second day of a -a two-a-day, like before we did not a second day of the two day before the second day of two a days he went and did a rise nation workout so he did a 45 minute Versa climber class at 6 a.m showed up did a little stretch and warm up and then goes through two a day practices
0: you have a podcast right now right. that
1: Everyone is talking about
0: road Everybody? tripping. Everyone is talking about Ooh. it. Road tripping. I'm a big fan. Okay, okay. Tell me whose idea it was. Tell me about road tripping.
1: It was Richard's idea. <laughs> here, Here's really what happened. Richard goes, Yo, Channing, do you want to come talk and drink free wine? I said, okay, cool. He goes, it's going to be Allie. Um, she works with us. And we're going to come up here. The first episode we did, we had one mic in the middle of a wine glass with some M&Ms on the side and us drinking wine, and just by chance, Kyrie was getting treatment and came into that room and sat with us and that's how it steamrolled and we said oh crap like this this can be something this is fun
2: Channing was supposed to be the first guest (laughs) yeah right that was the thing because I wanted to do a podcast and I was like Channing will you be the first guest because I wanted like the guy to be first right and so then next thing you know like he said like Kai we were in our trainer's room so we're like hey because we had equipment and stuff we're like hey we're gonna do a podcast Channing's gonna be the first guest okay cool so we're all in there about to record and Kyrie came to our trainer's room to get like ice or something He's like what are you guys doing it's like we're gonna record a podcast he's like all right I'll send in for a little bit and we're sitting here like okay 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 right yeah and now, an kai, hour now, later yeah, like kai is the guy right it's not like right. you're looking at your teammate like oh shit mm-hmm. No, it's more of like okay guys are going to be interested in doing this right like that's cool because that was one of the things when you do it you're like would our teammates be interested in doing this yeah. channing did And, and carry is first one of the favorite. quietest
1: yeah for the most part i think to be honest i think reserved, reserved I yeah reserved you don't really see Kyrie's personality. And I thought in the podcast. Oh, he opens up. That's where you see like, you know, he talks about flat earth. He talks about all type of stuff. But, but. he
2: just, you know what it is. The thing about the podcast. So I'm going to, I'll go from the very, very bit. JJ Redick was the first one, first athlete that kind of did his own podcast. Now he did it during the summer. That was his thing. And his was very. Like NPR. His was very informative, very, I'm going to ask you questions. I'm a great in, in interviewer. It's like, it was one of those things that, you know, I looked at him and was like, okay, that's cool. And I was like, well, what about doing something in season, right? What about where it's like, all we do is travel and we have so much downtime. Why not just record podcasts and we can talk about traveling, road trips, where we're going. And then that's how it all got started. And honestly, even Channing said, he's like, Gosh, I didn't know it was going to become this popular. Right. I did but not know. But what was know. the
0: initial goal for the show?
2: Reps.
1: I just wanted a free one.
2: Yeah, reps. Reps for me in case I want, because I was I getting I literally,
1: I'm just here for the free stuff. Yeah. I have a shirt. I like Money's money's nice. Mm-hmm. I literally just want it because, I, again, I don't want to sit in my room. Yeah. But if I can go somewhere, I'm going to talk anyways. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to talk. And then what, what ended up happening is you learn so much about your teammates, man. You give them a couple glasses of wine, you take the cameras away, and you give them a mic, and you learn so much, like there's so many levels to each player of where they come from, how they got there, what they have going on in their life, then you start to understand, oh dang, you were mad last week because something else was going on It had nothing to do with basketball. So then you know how to talk to somebody, you recognize like who they are as a person, and so it makes us closer as teammates, and that's what, to me, uh, made it fun, and you know I mean. and,
2: and it was a tough time too because like so the Cavs put it up on their thing and it was like it was, the name of it was supposed to just be Road Tripping Channing was supposed to be the first guest and it was like Road Tripping with RJ and Channing and like at that point in time then fans like were like what is this and they just kind of took off but Channing you know he was going through a lot right like his mom had passed away his dad had passed away like six weeks apart so that we're doing this but he's still in his mourning period so i'm like you know but he's also you know trying to play and get back just trying to do a lot and so it was like i was always constantly pulling teeth and i was like channing come on Channing, can we record Channing, and I was getting on his nerve, right? It wasn't, it was less about, one thing that I learned is that one, it's a lot of hard work. Two, there's a lot of consistency that's involved in it. So it's like, Channing, can we record? Because we only record on the road. So it's like, if we had like a one game road trip or a two game road trip, like you have like one opportunity, then you might be home for 10 days. So then you would have nothing. It was just all over the place. So we were navigating it and it wasn't an easy time for him, Uh, but he still like stuck through it. And none of us knew that it was going to become as popular as it did But you know, ultimately, I think being the first athletes to ever do an in-season podcast, and then now you see so many of them pop up. You know, I I think I I take that as a compliment more to him pushing through. Because if had had he not pushed through, I might have lost a little bit of steam, and it wouldn't have had the success. Because he's as big of a part of the success um, to it as as anything. Absolutely, talent. he's (laughs)
0: basically saying that so what's the direction that you guys are are trying to take it now
1: to be honest I think um, we usually stick with our teammates Um, I think for us there's no uh, I'll say this I think the way we approach the podcast I think the way we approach how we want to do business with other people and by saying doing business I mean talking to them we have no horse in anybody else's race except for our own we want to show you in the best light possible We want to sit down like we're having dinner and just talk people don't get enough information about the specific players whether that's in football baseball basketball soccer nascar anything we want to do it on all levels to all athletes to show that light if you have something going on come on our show right we're going to talk. We're going to drink wine. We're not trying to ask you the tough questions all the time. We're trying to say, what kind of charities do you have? Who are you as a person? Do you like fishing, right? Because then when, you become, when we humanize you, right, that's when more and more fans are going to be able to relate to you. Absolutely. And I think the more that we've been on the podcast, the more people listen to it as they're going to work. They take their heart. This is their time that they have to go to their hard-earned jobs. Right, And they listen to us and they say, damn, I feel like I'm sitting there at the table because I would talk to them as if they were sitting here. And I'm going to talk to whoever guests we have like I would yeah. like they were sitting there. Yeah, and the and, crazy thing is, too, is that
2: it's less about it's less about like information, like. We always talk, tell people, like, well, what are we going to talk about? It's like, yeah, whatever you want to talk about. And so, most if you watch an ESPN interview, if you watch this interview, very rarely do you get to randomness. No. Most interviews are very, okay, these are the five topics. These are the things that we want to talk about. This is the things that we want to hit. But it's all based right, on ratings. Yeah. It, for us we'll we'll go on 10 minutes about your favorite cereal and cartoon like that stuff will never air any place else but Absolutely. the fact that we, we have an hour and we don't we have things that we might want to discuss but wherever the conversation goes like we were cracking jokes about guys favorite halloween costumes like at oh, one point yeah. in time and like channy was talking about what he was and then Braun was like yo i could never be a pound ranger if you showed up as a power ranger in my neighborhood you get the shit beat out of you and right. it's like people were like oh my god he LeBron just said shit, right? And then it was like, but then you got to know something about him that you would never, ever get anywhere else. And so anytime that him and I have ever sat down with somebody, um, it's always been like, how can we give you something? It it doesn't have to be clickbait. It doesn't have to be something that's like like inflammatory that everyone's gonna chase. It's like, yo, how can we give, uh, like how can we give fans and people out there something that they wouldn't normally get? And you only get that by letting the conversation go places that that is unsteered.
0: We're celebrating the 30-year anniversary for Just Do It, the slogan. 30 years? 30 years, what does Just Do It mean to you?
1: I think for me it's just, uh, there's always gonna be an excuse for everything. Um, I think if you really want it, you just gotta go do it. Just do it. Um, If you have an idea in your mind that's good, Um, if you're like, man, I feel like working out, just do it, right? If you're like, I don't feel like working out, but I should, just do it.
0: We learned a lot about teamwork today, what makes a great teammate, how you have to stay ready to compete no matter your role, and how podcasting helped Richard and Channing get to know their teammates better. We got a little bit of randomness in there too, something I know Richard and Channing would both be proud of. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to get out of here and listen to the most recent episode of Road Trippin' on my way home. If you like the show, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. Every good review makes it easier for new listeners to find the show and hear from their favorite Nike athletes. Until next week, I'm Denise Jones. How will you chase your crazy dreams?